All right, let's dive into some more uh, juicy topics. The college years. Oh, good. Yeah. So maybe let's start with the decision to go to Cornell and your freshman year. What was it like? And the first time going to school with girls. Yeah. So, Cornell, I was very excited to go to Cornell. Um, it was my first choice college, and I uh, didn't even think I'd get in. But I got in, into the engineering school, and um, <clears throat> I was sick going to Cornell because I caught a terrible cold. Maybe strep throat. My mother said, well, maybe we ought to wait a day until he gets better. My sister Kathy said he's got to go because they have orientation starting right away. And if he misses the first day of orientation, he'll never catch up. (laughs) So they drove me down to Cornell. It was about a two-hour drive. My mother, my father... Uh, maybe a sibling or so. And as soon as I got to Cornell and checked into my room, I went to bed. (laughs) Do you remember what dorm you were in? U-Hauls 2. So I'm there lying in bed. My parents went to orientation. They went out and they said, we're going to go, you know, pick up the any information we need for you. We'll be back in a couple hours. Meanwhile, while I'm lying in their bed, my roommate shows up. <laughs> Who I knew at high school. We kind of arranged. The two of us were went to high school together. George Bora baby. And we agreed to be roommates in high school. So he shows up with his family and I'm lying there in bed. And just told them I was sick, not feeling good. So they dropped their stuff off and they went off to orientation. Um, so that was my first day at Cornell, sick in bed. <laughs> Were you able to catch up? Yeah. Classes didn't start for a week. And by the time classes started, um, I went to class. I did go to some of the orientation meetings. Um, so that was fine. No problem. And how was the nightlife? The nightlife was very boring. (laughs) The ratio at Cornell was three boys to every girl. And none of the girls would ever go out with freshmen. So I never even met or talked to, I don't think, a freshman girl at Cornell um, their first semester. Um, we would, my buddy and I would go down to the bars and we'd create our own social life. We'd go to these dances at the U-Haul dorms and the ratio, instead of being three to one, was like 10 to one, boys to girls. (laughs) Um, so alas, we didn't have a date the first semester of our Cornell year at all. Hardly even met a girl. But frat life. So frat... Life started second semester. Okay. Um, and uh, that got a lot better. My, f- how did you? What was the process? So rushing is um, at Cornell rushing fraternities. Um, 
is a pretty pretty involved process. You you start in January. You come back for classes. Classes second semester started mid January, so you come back maybe January first, and um, you spend a week to ten days rushing, which means you visit fraternities. There's fifty of them at Cornell. You put your name down. They keep track of you. That night, they come around and either invite you back or they say, don't come back. <laughs> so um, my buddy and I started out going to the same fraternities, getting our names down, and we'd go to like 10 or 15. Well, when nighttime came... I got invited back to the fraternity I eventually joined. He did not. He got invited back to two or three others, which he, so he started going to those, and I started going to the ones I liked. So we joined different fraternities, but by the end of the week, we had joined a fraternity. Mm. Um, and that got uh, much more interesting because it was a group to hang around with the whole semester. Um, freshmen had to eat. Um, you know, like two meals, two dinners and two lunches at the fraternity house just to get to meet people. Uh, we were still living in the dorm, obviously. And our fraternity class was pretty big, like 25 or 30. So it was a big group of guys to um, start bonding and getting to know. Um, and we do things together. And it was, you know, they're fraternity parties. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty good, much better life. I enjoyed that. Were you guys pretty popular on campus? Uh, I like to think so. Yeah, we attracted a lot of um, attention. Um, my fraternity, Phi Sigma Kappa, was actually the first house built as a fraternity in the United States. Most other big fraternity houses were just mansions that fraternities took over. This one was built as a fraternity. It kind of looks like the White House. It's all white and it's got big pillars in the front. And it's uh, got a prominent spot in, on the campus right next to the dorms. So, um, in a very popular fraternity. If there is, a lot of times fraternities have and sororities have stereotypes. Is there a stereotype that it had? I don't think so. I like to think of it as uh, we were a pretty diverse group. We um, we didn't have, we had maybe one, I don't think we had any varsity athletes, but we were all athletic so that um, we were active in every sport in intramurals. Mm. And our goal every year was to win what they would call the intramural championship. You know, every intramural sport would give you so many points for um, first, second, or third place, or fourth or fifth place. If you came in, you know, football, baseball, if your team sport placed, you'd get points. And therefore, there was an all-sports trophy. One year, we did win the all-sports trophy. So I had a lot of fun. I ran track, played soccer, played softball, played football, um, basketball. 
We had a hockey team. I didn't play on the hockey team. Mm. So it's um, pretty impressive beating out fifty other or forty nine other houses. Yeah, and a lot of them were jack houses. Mm. So um, anyway, we competed very well in all the sports. Mm. And you lived on in that house the next three years. I did. Yes, sophomore, junior, senior, three years. Um, a lot of my peers only lived there one or two years, but I stayed down there for three years. Mm. Nice. And so moving to the summer, you're f- between freshman and sophomore year. What did uh, freshmen do back then? Or um, I think sophomores do for summer. For the summer, I, that summer I got a job um, with Dale Engineering mm-hmm. on a survey crew. And um, I didn't do anything very technical, kind of waved a stick at the surveyor. Um, but I would go out in the field, you know, there'd be three or four of us, and we would survey a plot of land to get it ready for a building. And where were you located? Where did you sleep at night? I, it was The job was in Utica, so mm. I slept at home. Mm. Was it fun to be back with your siblings after a year off, or...? Kind of uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and no, what else was that summer? Uh, that summer was Woodstock. August? In August. I can remember my friend Mike McCann calling me up saying, Hey, Pete, there's this great, fantastic concert going on in Bethel, New York which is only about maybe two-hour drive, three-hour drive away. He says it's a three-day concert, and um, Pete Scale is going, I'm going, another guy is going, and we got room in the car for you. You want to go? And I said, yeah, 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 let me go. i got to check with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure what they would say. Um but the cost was only $18 for three days of tickets. And we would just bring our own food and we'd camp out. So it would be a pretty cheap cost. So I convinced my parents I could go. It would just be on a weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, I don't know, I maybe took the Friday off from work. but um, So we were all set to go to Woodstock. So you pull up. So we get in the car, drive the two hours. Um, had no idea how big this thing was going to be. Uh, but when we got close, fortunately, we were not coming from New York City, where most everybody else was coming. We were coming from upstate New York. So our traffic wasn't too bad. But we did have a traffic jam coming in, and they kind of waved us into this empty field to park. Um, where we could both park and put up our tent, which we did. And so we got a parking spot. And um, and by then it's like 6 or 7 o'clock. Concert was supposed to start at 8. So we get our tickets and we start walking towards the concert where everybody else is walking. And... Um, 
we're walking along this big path and there's a big fence on our right, you know, to, you know, to make sure you know, we figure we're heading to where they're going to take our tickets. And we had pre-bought the tickets, so we got tickets. Um, and all of a sudden we're walking along and the fence is like down. You know, it's just some temporary chain link fence. It's down. And we're saying, well, why are we standing in line? Let's just walk over the fence. We're into the, uh, you know, arena, which we did. So then we walked down as close to the stage as we could get, found a little spot to sit. And, you know, that was probably maybe an hour, half hour ahead of the concert. Um, and great, we're in, we're ready for the concert. No problem. Um, I remember Richie Havens kicked it off. He was the first act, probably kicked off at 8 o'clock. And there was one or two other acts. And then it started to rain. (laughs) So it's like 10 o'clock, 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. They're still playing music down there, but we are soaking wet. So we said, oh, we're not going to sit here. We're going back to the tent. So we went back to the tent, and I think two of us slept in the tent, and two of us slept in the car, um, and, you know, just slept through the rain until the next morning, Saturday morning. So what makes Woodstock so... Everyone talks about it. What was it about Woodstock that's so well, memorable? Well, two or three things. Um, one... It was in a rural area, Bethel, New York, and it attracted about 500,000 people. And it was all peaceful. There wasn't any violence. There wasn't any fighting. Um, Just before this, there had been a big concert in Los Angeles called Alameda in which there was severe fighting and a few killings. And the the news media said, well, you know, these big concerts where kids show up are just going to be a lot of violence. Um, And, you know, there's unruly teenagers, whatever. Well, it's just the opposite. Um, It was just all peace and happiness. And uh, that was the theme you know, and everybody got along. Hmm. No fights at all. So who were the main headliners? Oh, my God. The biggest groups, of the, except for the Beatles, who didn't show, who mm. were never. But the Who, um, um, Joan Baez, um, I can't bring to mind all of them. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Um Twenty other well-known groups, all escaping my mind. Canned Heat. Um, Do you have a favorite from that weekend? A memorable performance. Um. So about six a.m. Sunday morning, the concerts. Literally, so the Saturday concert started about 
um, maybe six at night. It went to six a.m. Twelve hours, mm-hmm. or maybe three in the afternoon. Who knows? 12, 15, Twelve to fifteen hour concert days, and and we we stay right on the right on the, the concert venue, and so somewhere around one a.m. I think I fell asleep, but I woke up to the Who singing Tommy. Tommy, can you hear me? Can you see and feel me? <laughs> That's sort of the song. Um, so that was probably the highlight. Um, at one time during the day, I did walk around the entire concert and got up to the stage, which was hard to see because there was a big wall between the people and the stage. It was probably 10 feet tall, so you could... You could get to the wall, but you could hardly see over it. Um, and I managed to find my way back to all my friends. <laughs> um, so anyway, Saturday was our best day. Mm-hmm. We had a full day of the concert. So um, the rain stopped. No rain on Saturday. Beautiful day. The rain returned on Sunday. Oh. <laughs> so Saturday morning, you know, we... Russell out of there. We left the concert venue maybe about 6 or 7 a.m. You want to pause that? No. Who is it? Ann Arbor number. Hey, yes, uh, Sunday morning, you know, we go out and go to the store and get some orange juice or something to eat. Um, get back to the this concert is supposed to start at 3 in the afternoon, so we get back there maybe 1, find a good spot to sit. I don't know, maybe noon, who knows. I find a good spot on the hill. We're waiting for the concert to start. Looks sort of like a nice day, but then all of a sudden, we could see from one side of the uh, sky, these big dark clouds coming our way and the wind is starting to, you know, howl and blow and it sound, feels like big rainstorm but then everybody in the crowd and everyone's there because the concert's almost ready to start, like 500,000 people start chanting no rain no rain no rain, and everybody is absolutely sure <laughs> that this chant of 500,000 people is going to turn those clouds away and it won't rain. Well, we evidently need more chanters because it, the biggest rainstorm ever, hit us and we got totally drenched. And um, they said, well, the concert's not going to start till later, you know, after the rain. And so we all decided to go back to the car and drive home. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we Along were, with what, what percentage of the other concert goers went home, do you think? About 5%. Oh, stayed or went? Went. Oh, so you were one of the 5% who left early. <laughs> I think so. I, oh. I, I couldn't tell. There was no traffic leaving. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so the concert then went on and... The concert did go on. Okay. Um, it, I think it started more like 6 o'clock. It went to 6 a.m. Mm. 
Um, the rain, you know, blew through. Mm. Um, but we were wet and tired, didn't have any dry clothes. Exhausted. I actually had to work the next day. <laughs> so that was the end of the uh, our Woodstock conference. Nice. Con- had, did you go to any other concerts like that or throughout your college or early 20s? Um, nothing like that. Nothing like that. No, no, no. Nothing like that. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Well, thanks for sharing. We'll cut off there. Yeah, good. Next time. <laughs>